Now it's a bit of a true crime edition of This Is Today. We talked to John Borowski. He's a filmmaker and he is going to teach us about John Wayne Gacy. This is Today. Welcome to This Is Today, the podcast that features the stories that make this day unique. It's Tuesday, December 15th, 2020. I'm Russ, and here's what you need to know about today. Well, it is National Cat Herders Day. Yeah, you know, herding cats. You've heard the saying, right? Well, actually, where does this day come from? It comes from a commercial, (laughs) the Super Bowl commercial back in 2000. It was a commercial for electronic data systems. Um, I I think I probably know the commercial better than I know the company. And uh, really, the commercial was about these cowboys that were trying to herd cats and how difficult it is to actually get cats to do anything that you want them to. Just look at me each night when I try to put my uh, cat to bed at night. That doesn't really work out for me. So yes, it is Cat Herders Day. So uh, I don't know how you celebrate that one. I guess try to get some cats to do something today. Uh, It's also National Cupcake day today. That's a heck of a lot easier to celebrate. Yes, it is. You can make your own or you could go buy some cupcakes, whatever it is. Here's what I suggest though. And you know, I don't mean to bring the show down. I try to keep it upbeat and fun, right? But man, I was trying to get one of the like celebrity chefs, right? Somebody from one of the cupcake wars, just one of the bakers at one of the bakeries. And so I did a little research. I started digging in and I found out that so many of those cupcake war uh, bakeries have closed down in the past year or so. So if you've got a cupcake place near you, go order some cupcakes today. All right. Get some cupcakes. You win because you get cupcakes. They win because they get some business. So help out your local cupcake baker today. All right. Okay. Let's take a look at our events. We're going to do a quick look at events today because I want to save some time for John. Uh, he always teaches us something about serial killers that I didn't know. And Casey today, oh man, we've, we've got some interesting stuff uh, that we're going to learn today, I'm sure. So stay tuned for that. Let me quickly tell you about some of our events. Back in 1964, Canada adopted the maple leaf for its flag. Yep. There you go. The flag that we know and I guess love today, the maple leaf flag uh, went into uh, effect back in 1964 on this date. Uh, Not everything came out so great that happened on this date. Back in 1985, Sylvester Stallone married Bridget Nielsen. Yeah, that didn't uh, quite work out. They uh, later did divorce. Uh, In 1997, the San Francisco 49ers retired Joe Montana's number 16. There was a big celebration. And uh, that was at Candlestick Park. That park is now, of course, gone. And uh, they've moved down to Santa Clara. Uh, And in 2012, Hillary Clinton, the U.S. Secretary of State, fainted from dehydration and suffered a concussion after falling in her home. That happened back in 2012. All right. As I mentioned, when we come back, we'll be joined by John Borowski. He's a filmmaker, an author, and he always uh, just teaches me something amazing that I just didn't know. Amazing. And by amazing, I mean sometimes terrifying. So stay tuned and we'll learn a little bit about John Wayne Gacy. And welcome back. For our next story, we take you back to 1978. On December 15th, 1978, in De Plains, uh, investigators obtained 
further details about John Wayne Gacy. These details would help to lead to his arrest on December 21st, 1978. You know John Wayne Gacy as Pogo the Clown, perhaps, and he's possibly why you're afraid of clowns. So we're going to learn more about John Wayne Gacy. And to do that, I'm bringing on John Borowski. He's an author and a filmmaker. John, thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me on again. It's always a pleasure to spend time with you and talk about serial killers. So John Wayne Gacy. Okay. It starts with the name. We know another John Wayne. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about how he was named and kind of, you know, his dad and his childhood. Yeah. Gacy's childhood. He Gacy mainly even actually for the, his entire life spent his life on the Northwest side of Chicago which is interesting. That's one of the things that I have in common with Gacy. I grew up on the northwest side of Chicago around the areas of Portage Park, Norwich, uh, the Cragen area. And um, I always found that was pretty interesting. You know, when you see films about Chicago, you see a lot of the lakefront and Magnificent Mile. But, you know, it, when they do real stories about Chicago, you see these kind of little bungalows, you know, uh, that were on the northwest side of Chicago. Mm -hmm. And that's where Gacy mm -hmm. grew up, you know, very unassuming, but he had a lot of issues when he was growing up. There are so many issues. Um, you know, he was uh, born on the Northwest side of Chicago. He actually he was born in the Edgewater hospital, which coincidentally Hillary Clinton was born there as well. Oh. <laughs> yeah. You know, some people, it depends on your political point of view. Some people will say two monsters are born there. I do not <laughs> comment on that. <laughs> but um, uh, so, you know, and, you know, when he was born, you know, and through researching this case, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if, you know, you're talking about, you know, the 1950s in America, um, you know, medical care was obviously adequate, but, you know, I, I, there were still, it was still forming and there were still early uh, advances that need to be uh, fixed and created, such as, you know, more psychology and more figuring out what certain diseases are, because when Gacy was born, you know, we don't know if he had health problems when he was born or if it was something his mother felt, which was something we now call Munchausen by proxy syndrome to where and there was actually a film made on one of the cases hmm. of Gypsy Rose Lee, where sometimes a mother believes their child has all these illnesses. So they either give them all this medication or put all this false attention on them. Or maybe they know they are and they're just in it for the money. Who knows? Oh, but, interesting. You know, that may have been a, a case with Gacy because his mother, you know, self-administered all these drugs to him for probably the first couple of years of his life in thinking that he had health issues. Oh, wow. But late, later on when he was, before he went to Animosa Prison in uh, after his arrest in Waterloo, he was given a battery of tests, every test you can imagine. He was found perfectly healthy in every single way, psychologically, physiologically. And, you know, he would have these fainting spells, which I believe some of them were real, but they were in response to stressors. So mm -hmm. they weren't, there wasn't anything you might be able to find physiologically or psychologically, but he did, you know, when he was a child, he would w wake up passed out at a friend's house where people would find him passed out. Now, of course, later in life, he learned this to his advantage and he faked 
you know, these heart attacks, you know, to get himself out of certain situations. <laughs> but that was part of his childhood. But, you know, really, you know, he grew up, he had an older sister and a younger sister. So he was the middle of the three children in the family. His father was a World War II vet, very tough guy. He was a perfectionist. He worked as a machinist. So, you know, when you're a machinist, it's all perfection, kind of like a draftsman. You're measuring everything to, you know, the, you know, 16th of an inch or even smaller right. than that, you know, with micrometers. Right. So he expected his household to be run in that same way by perfection. Hmm. And, you know, his MO, he would come home from work, go down into the basement of the house where they lived on the northwest side and drink. And then when dinner was ready, he would come upstairs. And when he would come up to that dinner table, Every was every day of that family's life, they were afraid of what would happen when he came out of that basement. Would wow. he scream about something? Was a drop of milk spilled on the floor? Was his place setting not put in the correct place? Or he would result Jeez. to physical violence, which he did. The children witnessed uh, him beating his wife, Bloody. A two-year-old Gacy saw that. Police were involved in that. Wow. So, you know, you could just imagine all these incidences of violence in the household physically and verbally. But on top of that, because the mother thought Gacy had all these health issues, what did he do? He couldn't play sports. He couldn't do these masculine things because his father named him John Wayne Gacy. The father's name was John Stanley Gacy, but they named him John Wayne Gacy after the big heroic strong right. hero, John Wayne, who saves everyone, right? And right. then here's the father disappointed that his chubby son doesn't want to play in sports, but he want to help he wants to help his mother garden and do these other things when he was a child. So he was the complete antithesis of what John Wayne was. And as the years went by as Gacy grew older, his father grew so disappointed with his son that he would berate him constantly. Stop hanging around with that friend of yours, Barry Bashelli. You're going to turn into a queer like him. His father hated gays. He drilled that into his head. So at that young of an age, having these gay tendencies, you know, eventually with adolescence, Gacy internalized all those feelings because he saw it as his father did. These were dirty, filthy people. You know, and, and so this was a childhood that he grew up in. It was very detrimental, you know, but, you know, I believe in, and if we talk about this now or later, I think his childhood, yes, was very bad. But through my researching the case, there were several other things that happened to him later in his life that kind of solidified him being this serial killer who was interested in having all these bodies buried under his house. You've got an alcoholic dad who's physically abusive, all the other issues with the dad, and you've got this kind of overbearing mom. That's crazy. That's tough to grow up in that situation. Well, there's a lot more. You know, there are stories that Gacy was sexually molested by a contractor or a neighbor. But, you know, these stories I'm still researching because right. if these stories came from Gacy himself, just like any other serial killer, you have to be careful. Because if he says it himself as an excuse or for, uh, you know, his defense later in court, but there's no concrete proof, then mm -hmm. personally, I can't. Put that in my film because I want to make sure everything I put in my film I have backup to prove. Yeah, fact check. Because I've mm -hmm. I've read literally almost every book that's out on Gacy, and they're all inaccurate. And these are oh, really? people that were involved with the cases, oh, you know. Geez. And you know, because when I eventually went to interview you know, the prosecutor in the case, Bill Kunkel, he said, "Where did you get all these questions from?" I said, "Well, they're from the books that are out there." Okay, so the the known 
thing that he did and the thing that, you know, we all know about Gacy is is Pogo the Clown or, or Patches the Clown, his personas that he did uh, working at charitable events and like children's hospitals. He knew that he had to be in the public eye to get away with this stuff, because who would believe that? You know, somebody that's on the Norwood Park Lighting District, that's part of the politics, that's in charge of the Polish Constitution Day Parade and meets, you know, the First Lady and is is dressing up as a clown for all these sick kids. Who would ever believe, you know, he's a successful businessman in the suburbs. He's not like the filth in the city. Who would ever believe he's doing these things? And that's why he did it. He learned from everything since his childhood you know, his, his convictions in Waterloo, his time in prison in Iowa and everything. When he came back to Chicago, he, everything was a plan and a cover up for his cons and ruses. How did they discover that it was him? How did he get caught? Well, that's the thing. You know, he wasn't hiding. He was in clear view. Get this within the last two weeks, I recently discovered that in 1977, I think it was 76 or 77, at the height when he was killing, you know, almost 12 young men a year, that Gacy was put under surveillance by the Chicago Police Department during that time because there was a young male prostitute that disappeared from Chicago. And the kids said, well, a guy with the big black car took him away. Well, eventually later they found that young boy, but they thought it was Gacy. And here's the thing. How is he killing 12 kids while he's under surveillance for two weeks? Right. But he did. Wow. <laughs> he did. Wow. So, yeah, very strange. There, of course, there are a lot of conspiracy theories and strange things in the case that we could do probably 10 shows on. But basically, what was going on near the end, um, Gacy had met a young a uh, worker named Rob Peace in Displains. He eventually convinced the boy to come to his house, and his disappearance is what led the Displains Police Department. It's, it's a suburb near O'Hare Airport here in Chicago. It led the detectives to put a surveillance on Gacy, basically, you know, a stakeout for it was about 10 or 11 days in December. And when he was on the stakeout, they were wearing him down. During the surveillance, he would. Ha have dinner with the officers. He would send drinks over to them. Some went bowling with him, you know, during the, it's, wow. it's crazy. But again, he felt that if he is in that public eye that, you know, they would think, well, this guy can't be doing anything. He's too nice. He's too, you know, he lets them into the house, you know, all of this stuff, you yeah. know, so that, you know, there are definitely very interesting stories along the way, but eventually there was the the last day when Gacy was actually arrested in December, he was driving erratically, possibly going to visit his father's grave. The detectives thought he may be going there to kill himself or commit suicide because he was taking pills and drinking and, and weaving on the road. So there was one point where Gacy stopped at a gas station. The detectives saw him give a little bag to the gas station attendant that worked there. Well, the detectives pull into the gas station and see that he handed this kid a bag of marijuana cigarettes just because he knew the kid. And, and the kid said, oh, I had no part of it. You know, the detectives interviewed him right, right. after and he was scared. He was like, I didn't want him. He just gave them to me. So then 
they finally pull Gacy over after this erratic driving and they're trying to get in touch with the headquarters. And of course their, you know, communications and CBs are working for that time period that well. So they said, well, what should we do? And then the, you know, the Lieutenant or, you know, chief said, well, just take them down. And so they pulled him over and arrested him on that day. And that was for the charge of cannabis. They, you know, but again, they were following him and there were clues that led up to right. believing that there was something in his house. Interviews with the young kids that were digging trenches down in the crawl space, that there was this nasty smell when one of the detectives went in. So they knew something had to have been down there. No idea. They thought, well, okay, this kid might be down there. And then once he's arrested, that's when they go in the crawl space and find a body. He was convicted of 33 counts of murder, amongst other things. He was executed by lethal injection in 1994. 33 murders. Yeah, and there may have been 34. When Gacy was arrested, he said he threw five bodies off of the bridge because there was no room there was no more room in his crawl space to bury these kids. Wow. So he started throwing them off the bridge in Shanahan, Illinois, which is probably about uh, about an hour drive from where he lived. Wow. The clown artwork and all of these things, uh, that happened when he was in prison? Can you, can you tell me a little about the, the, the artwork? Gacy, to me, was the first big-time serial killer celebrity. Of course, everyone knows Jack the Ripper. Everyone you know knows some of these other serial killers. But Gacy, just like he was on the outside, capitalized on everything while he was on the inside. He would not only write letters to people who had sent him letters from all around the world, including Oprah and many celebrities. There are books out, they call him Mr. Gacy. And in these books are letters literally from all around the world, people writing him because they're fascinated by his case. And then of course, Gacy one-ups it. He figures he could start doing paintings. So Gacy starts painting in prison. His most famous paintings are Pogo the Clown, which was his persona as a clown. But he also painted other serial killers, celebrities. Um, you know, he would do requests. If people would send him a picture, he would paint a picture of a killer or a person in your family or your dog or whatever you wanted. And he would charge for these, you know, and Rick Staten was his art dealer who would go in the prisons collect the paintings and wind up, you know, selling them for Gacy. So he had a whole assembly line to these things. And not only that, when people would come to visit Gacy, the guards were charging people to have their pictures taken on Polaroid cameras and given the Polaroid picture. Oh, so wow. Everyone was, you know, Jeez. benefiting off of Gacy. And he had his own 900 number where people could call, pay to listen to a recording of Gacy tell how he didn't murder these kids and how he was misaligned by the, you know, the, uh, the prosecution. Now, didn't this result in some changes in, in laws around this? Yes. You know, after a while, when the government found out that Gacy was, you know, collecting money for this, they did put a kibosh on it, you know? Um, but you know, there was a son of Sam law that came into effect too, but you know, I mean, there are still ways, you know, there, you know, prisoners aren't supposed to do these things, but there are still ways that they find out, you know, how to do them. Believe me, I've, talk to people that sell their toenails, hair, drawings, blood, all their stuff. And it's, wow. it's a big business, but Gacy capitalized on all that. It was just amazing when you think of what he did in that prison and how popular he was, you know, it was uh, till his dying day, 
you know, he was extremely popular worldwide. And to me, I, I don't wonder why he didn't play up on that because even still to his dying day, you know, he want, was saying he wasn't gay. He didn't kill these kids, even though he did confess initially. It was just a very strange case. Yeah. And okay, so if people want to learn more, um, you have a book, right? Uh, the the Hunting a Predator? Yes, it's called John Wayne Gacy Hunting a Predator. And that's available on my website and store at store.johnborowski.com. But it's also available on Amazon. And you can also, uh, you, you've got the, the show as well. Uh, it's available on Amazon Prime. You want to tell people a little about that? Yes, Serial Killer Culture on Amazon Prime is called Serial Killer Culture, the web series. And it's also going to be streaming soon on Tubi in its initial name, Serial Killer Culture TV. Amazon made me take the TV out of the title, but you can watch those. There's several episodes. There's Gacy's Brain in which Dr. Helen Morrison, who is his psychiatrist for the defense, she has his brain in a pickle jar. <laughs> and oh, uh, she studied it, found nothing uh, abnormal on the brain. So you could watch that entire segment with her talk about Gacy. And she also oversaw Ed Gein at a mental hospital as well. She talks about that. Hey, thanks for uh, joining me today. Thank you for having me on anytime. All right. Let's take a look at our birthdays for today. Maude Apto is 23. Don Johnson, he's turning 71 today. Wow. Uh, Bill's cornerback, Josh Norman, turns 33. Adam Brody is 41. And Gustav Eiffel, okay, the Eiffel Tower, the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, he was born on this day in 1832. Also, J. Paul Getty was born on this day in 1892. That's your look at December 15th. Thanks for listening to This Is Today. We do our best to pull together all the correct information. If we made a mistake and you heard it, yeah, you're super smart and we're super sorry. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a five star if you think we deserve it. If you'd like to make sure that we cover something on a future episode, let us know. Go to thisistodaypodcast.com to make suggestions, give us feedback, and see our other podcasts. I hope you enjoyed learning about today. I'm Russ, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.